Did Samara watch uh, Ahsoka? She did. She did. She, uh, you know, I think I think that this might have actually been, funny enough, the show that like kind of broke the back of like Samara being like, I'm a Star Wars fan. I think after watching the show, she was like, I don't know if I'm a Star Wars fan, <laughs> which oh. is interesting, but understandable, I suppose. There are many levels of fandom. So so this this show we're discussing tested the limit of one fairly casual fan. I, I can't imagine she necessarily was an enthusiastic viewer of the animated series, unless she was. Uh, what, has she seen Rebels, uh, Clone Wars? Uh, it was definitely... Uh, I mean, yeah, I, I, I started her on the Clone Wars path because I was like, well, you know, you got to... You gotta check this out. It's it's one of my favorite things. Um, it it was not. I mean, you know, the first two seasons, the first two and a half seasons of Clone Wars are pretty rough. Uh, same with Rebels. So there's kind of an entry curve, and uh, she lost interest before the 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 curve of entry sort of finished out. But um, but she was familiar with most of the characters because I had done a lot of talking <laughs> I, I found myself really enjoying rebels when i watched it I've, I've only seen either of these series once through a piece um yeah so i mean it's uh it's not something that you know i was overly occupied with at at the time yeah i, I certainly made sure to rush out and see the clone wars um you know theatrical film when that came mm-hmm. out um it, and that was fairly disappointing i gotta say <laughs> maybe some of the worst clone wars content to ever hit the screens <laughs> i did i have rewatched that since um uh, and it's a, i mean there's a decent amount of action there's a lot of like clone troopers who get killed <laughs> yeah yeah it's got some some cool battles uh the whole like jabba and jabba's cousin being the like the the central plot devices was a, an odd choice for a theatrical cut of like I don't know I feel like there were some uh, Clone Wars arcs that could have worked way better as the like entry point movie into the series but yeah I had I, a similar I, reaction I love Zero the Hut he's great <laughs> Truman Capote the the Hut um, well. <laughs> And but but yeah, the little what do they call him? Does he did he ever have a formal name? Stinky the Hut, you know the the baby. Oh, Jeff, whatever his name was. Rota, Rota, I think. Rota, okay. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, that I mean, that, that was silly, and I don't know. <laughs> our huts, like our and the, the old EU, they were possibly asexual or something but uh i wonder if that's been since retconned if he has a mama or not that's what i remember too um is that they're just like normal slugs asexual yeah. that, that 
had the worst line in anything Star Wars that I could name, which is like the little Rhoda hut is getting sick. And Ahsoka, like, he's turning every shade of green except for the one he's supposed to be. <laughs> Not, you know, I mean, got to hand it to Ashley Eckstein, the incredible actress who portrays Ahsoka in the vocal performance. Um, you know, she could have done her utmost to try to salvage that line and it still wouldn't have worked. So. <laughs> yeah. Um uh yeah, the the sky guy, R2 R2 Oh boy. I feel I feel like that movie did a lot of like leg legwork on putting things into the show that like didn't need to be there. Like yeah, the nicknames and uh Ahsoka's tube top outfit. Um <laughs> like if we had skipped some of that, it would have been okay. But oh well. It was it was definitely a film that I was like super psyched for because like up to that point the like Clone Wars content was the like 2003 like cell animated one which was dope but yeah, the Gendry. fact that they were mm-hmm. yeah Gendry yeah Gendy Tartakovsky's uh, yeah director yeah um, yeah and they they cribbed from that style for the you know computer the CGI series it's like basically a, a transplant of those avatars the, the sprites from the 2d series but fleshed out into 3d for yeah. the um you know for the clone wars and also borrowing a bit from like the marionette style of thunderbirds or uh various other series that that utilized marionette you know the team america yeah <laughs> yeah <just>, you know <laughs> appropriate for a, a wartime based series uh and and that was all george lucas's call too like uh, that that clone wars movie it was, it was i mean he was probably as involved in that as any part of the clone wars show mm-hmm. um you know dave filoni of course i think is the credited director of that uh, you know, uh, Clone Wars film. Um, I should perhaps fact check that, but I mean, he he directed the season one of Avatar: The Last Airbender. George Lucas mm-hmm. was impressed with the work from that, and uh, understandably, that was a show for me that completely turned around my opinion of what a animated series aimed at kids airing on a kids tv network like nickelodeon could be um and but partly an opinion i think partly colored by my experience having seen the clone wars movie previously uh, mm-hmm. where <laughs> I, I just had never had a positive opinion about that kind of animation um, that it just had a, a fairly low ceiling of quality <laughs> mm-hmm. narratively at least. Um, but yeah, like the, uh, okay. At director. Okay. Star Wars, the clone wars from 2008. Dave Filoni was a director, director of nine episodes on avatar, the last airbender. Uh, yeah. I was, I was just stunned uh, when I, 
started watching Avatar The Last Airbender with my younger siblings and just uh, <laughs> became a super fan of that show, basically. It's a good one. I feel like you can. Well, did did Dave stay on past season one or did he get pulled out of it by Lucasfilm? That's yeah, that's what happened. He huh. he was really involved at all after season one. Yeah, nothing, nothing here. Yeah, so uh, welcome to the Elliot to the Thoughtcast. Uh, <laughs> conversations you. about animation, and uh, yes, uh, speaking of my younger siblings, you are married to my younger sister, and uh, you've been on previously. You you uh, did an episode with me on the show Andor, another mm-hmm. Star Wars live action show, and I wanted to see if you'd be willing to share some thoughts about this latest Star Wars live action show, Ahsoka. Um, so you're gracious enough to join me for that. Um, and and so we're just kind of shooting the breeze on Star Wars animation that kind of presages and underpins this entire experience, uh, eight episodes on Disney Plus, um, and what some people refer to as season five of Star Wars Rebels animated show that was on Disney XD a number of years back. Yeah, what uh, we, we were talking about, um, you, you know, Samara being kind of a casual, you know, not, not, not an insult by any means, but she hadn't really seen much of the animation. Um, so I guess my, my ultimate point there um, was, you know, we'll, we'll be getting into the fact that this is kind of a hard show to get into if you haven't seen the predecessors in animation which is kind of an odd thing yeah it is it is really interesting i feel like i'm gonna end up comparing contrasting with on andor quite a bit because i mean andor has definitely been the most like critically and widely accepted and celebrated show that's come out so far and it's like andor's appeal was very much to like the mass fans like you really didn't need to know much about exterior universe stuff other than like, oh, you saw you saw episode four. There's a Death Star and uh, there's some rebels like that's you kind of all you needed to know. Um, and you had a pretty good grounding in what was going on. Rebels, on this other hand, like or sorry, <laughs> I called it rebels. It does feel like rebels season five. Um Ahsoka, on the other hand, like, bam, out straight out the gate, like, you're introduced to all these characters that obviously have backstory. And like, um, yeah, I think it's a, a great observation that like, without knowing kind of these backgrounds on these characters, like you're just sort of in the deep end, right out the gate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, uh, it is a fortunate attribute of Andor that it it does seem like if all you've ever seen is the original Star Wars episode four, you can really get on board Andor and kind of figure out what that show is all about. It's it's about what could have led to this tyrannical society that we're dropped into, you know, the moment that opening crawl from 1977 hits. It's a period of civil war, you know, rebel who are these rebels rebel spaceships striking from a hidden base have scored their first victory against the evil galactic empire you know who's this evil galactic empire what's their deal 
<laughs> why is my voice failing even though I can't really tell what's going on? <laughs> uh, I need some water, I guess. Uh, let's see. The uh, And Andor perfectly kind of um, builds upon that whole premise um, that, I mean, obviously that original 1977 film drops you in the thick of certain events that would eventually be expanded. Um, but it, it, there's a difference. The defenders of Ahsoka will say, well, yeah, you didn't get all the, <laughs> you know, if you weren't familiar with, um, uh, you know, everything going on in Ahsoka, then you're in good company with the people who went to see Star Wars for the first time in 1977. They didn't know who any of these characters were, even though there was references to other things that had happened previously. But but it, there does seem to be a significant difference between the two scenarios. You know, that that makes me, uh, it reminds me of a, something I've always thought about, which is like, you know, in the original 1970s Star Wars, did people go to the theater and be like, oh, that was a dope movie. Uh, where are the other three? Like, when do, when do I go back and like, there's more to this, right? And like, be like, so disappointed with the fact that <laughs> they just watched episode four of something that has nothing else so far. Like, I wonder, I wonder if that was part of like, if that was an obvious marketing thing, or if they just sort of like, oh, wait a second. <laughs> Well, when it, in 1977, there was no episode four subtitle. Uh, I think that actually did not appear until 1981 after episode five, The Empire Strikes Back. So five would have been the one that really kind of confused people. But mm. I do think that Lucas had considered calling Star Wars 1977 just or he had considered um, using the subtitle at in the upon the initial release, um, but you know decided against it for you know, I mean, uh, <laughs> strategic marketing reasons. People would have been confused, etc. Um, but it wasn't that long before they revised it to how it's known today: Star Wars Episode Four, A New Hope. Um, I'm just kind of recalling this from the Empire of Dreams, I believe, documentary, uh, mm. famous, uh, behind the scenes documentary about the making of the original Star Wars trilogy. Because, yeah, it wasn't, you know, the, the episode four thing, you know, the, and the decision to start in the middle of the story. Um, that was always a part of Lucas's strategy, um, at least upon the release of episode four um you know the, the, the his whole uh, evolution and conception of star wars kind of you know wasn't static there were things that did change even though he had like an outline fairly early on um but that it's it's a story that's been kind of mythologized and you know there's so many ap apocryphal uh mistellings of, of the origin of Star Wars that uh, I, I like to keep things fairly straight. And uh, yeah, the, um, you know, the original, the, the first movie to actually get the subtitle was Empire. But uh, there, there must have been some promotional material that explained 
the reason why it was called episode five <laughs> and not episode two. Um, yeah, surely yeah. they had. <laughs> uh, and and that, that's sort of been a thing that has plagued Star Wars. It's like you, ha- you have to follow all the the meta context of everything being released in order to fully get the the story of what's going on. Uh, and, and I guess the primary way people would do that is like the action figures, you know, would have descriptions of characters. You'd mm-hmm. figure out names of characters from action figures and, and various other um, publications <laughs> that would flesh out, you know, what are these characters' names? You know, what uh, what are the ships? What are the background details that's true i mean my first like interaction with the expanded universe of star wars was uh getting those like visual dictionary books and the like incredible cross sections of vehicles and starships and stuff and like (laughs) that's where all the star wars knowledge came from because most of it is actually not explained in the movies (laughs) It's sort of all just like built up upon these like films just <laughs> on the exterior, which is pretty great. Well, <laughs> because of that, my my experience of Star Wars is probably incredibly warped compared to some people. And <laughs> I'm OK with that because I'm I'm just used to having to further extrapolate my Star Wars, either using my own imagination or you know, other uh, miscellaneous material, uh, the the ancillary materials that either get released with um, each installment or stuff that I I get secondhand, thirdhand from like podcasts I listen to, fans who know background details. Like there's a detail here where Thrawn knows luke skywalker or he had met or not luke anakin skywalker he's familiar with anakin mm-hmm. uh, they've never met on screen but there was a novel in the new canon where thrawn and anakin interact so a, a detail as as small as that does get referenced and certain fans you know i that's a little nugget for them um which uh which is i'm sure much appreciated by those who <laughs> kept up with the novels not terribly popular books because most of them take place completely outside of the star wars like (laughs) even gat like galaxy area like (laughs) the wild space do do you know anything about the modern thrawn i mean thrawn goes back to the origins of the expanded universe uh but those stories the heir to the empire trilogy like they're now uh, relegated to the legends in a you know, sort of non-canon status um but i is uh, the author of those books timothy zahn has since contributed um updated store or newer stories post disney acquisition post um eu retcon that that are you know technically canon um so do you know any of the de- details from those books yeah, I actually, in preparation for Ahsoka coming out, because, I mean, after after Andor, I think I had a, a lot of time waiting for Ahsoka. So I was like, all right, I might as well read all the Thrawn books, because I had read the original Heir to Empire trilogy, um, like, 
back in middle school, but yeah, I don't remember. I don't remember them like at all. <laughs> so like the plot. Um, so I was like, all right, let me start from the beginning. And the like the new Disney canon is it starts with the Chiss Ascendancy books, which is like when Thrawn is working with like his like old his people and like like learning the ropes of space combat and stuff. They're fun, but they don't feel very Star Wars because all the technology is different and they take place like in another galaxy almost. Um, so <laughs> it feels very like a different franchise. And then they have this moment like you were talking about where Thrawn meets Anakin during the Clone Wars and they go on like this little tiny mission <laughs> together. Um which is like, yeah, the seed for his whole thing of like, oh, <laughs> you're Anakin's apprentice. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> well, and, you know, Thrawn's just so goat that he figures out that Darth Vader is Anakin Skywalker through some deduction, I'm sure. Mm -hmm. I don't, he probably was never outright told that Anakin became Darth Vader, but um, did did. Thrawn, I mean, my clarity of specific events during the series uh, isn't perfect. So did he ever say, um, I know Balin references the fact that Anakin became Darth Vader, but does Thrawn ever do that explicitly? Do you remember? Uh, there were not explicitly from what I remember. Um, so because he's Thrawn. Yeah, I'm sure he saw the design of his helmet was like, hmm, this he feels <laughs> very Skywalker. Yeah, or he knew that Skywalker would be destined for great things. The Ch the Chiss thing, I mean, the Chiss have always been, you know, Thrawn species, like very mysterious. I, their mm -hmm. planet um, is located in the unknown regions, or it always yeah. had been, yeah. So I guess they they would maybe be isolated from the rest of the galaxy and not have the same technology. That does make sense. Is that kind of it's a it's a convenient way to have a very specific uh, <laughs> blue uh, species that uh, you don't see very often in the rest of Star Wars and have him be special special guy. Yeah, uh, definitely one of my well, my first encounter with the blue skin alien was the video game Star Wars uh, Jedi Knight, Jedi Outcast. There's a bartender Ooh. on Nar Shada who's a chiss. It's kind of random, you know, homage to the character Grand Admiral Thrawn by mm -hmm. having a, a character model who's the that species. <laughs> Probably, I, yeah, I don't know. There would maybe be a few chiss floating around the galaxy, but uh, very rare. Um uh yeah thrawn he kind of i i think i before i read the books you know and seen pictures of him it's just such a striking image mm -hmm. a humanoid with red eyes and you know probably very directly an author avatar for timothy zon you know thrawn's on <laughs> the author. yeah yeah <laughs> uh so of course he's gotta be just you know, a total Sigma badass. <laughs> um, if he's the author avatar character. Oh, yeah. <laughs> big, big Moriarty energy. 
he uh and they did something interesting with um like i, I joked uh, a, a giga chad that's what i called him right yeah <laughs> obnoxious giga chad in the tech chad sorry I, I yeah it's true the fandom really does like oh yeah thrawn's playing 5d chess all the time at like multiple levels and he's <laughs> just always coming up with the answers yet somehow thwarted by the heroes every time unfortunate <laughs> yeah i mean i guess um you know the one of the core cast of rebels doesn't make it out uh i get you know he he's able to nab one of them that's <laughs> true that's only that's only at great cost that plot armor is thick but he got through it <laughs> i i like the depiction of thrawn here like he you know he, he was shown in that rebel series to be a, a, a like even a like physically capable hand-to-hand fighter and stuff so like yeah you know he he excelled in both individual you know one-on-one martial arts and strategy you know and i mean there there were times where his strategy got to shine during that series i don't really remember any of the specifics of it i saw a few clips recently and he just kind of says some vague cartoon, <laughs> cartoon dialogue <laughs> yeah prepare for ground assault yeah yeah um, I mean, references, I guess, to his classic, uh, understand the culture of the opponent to understand yeah. the strategy. Um, yeah, but um, oh, here, you know, we got the the Lars Mikkelsen actor, at, you know, doing the, the live action portrayal from the voice performance, uh, kind of like Katie Sackoff going from the animated voice performance to doing live action for Bo-Katan. Uh, I don't know if there are a couple other characters too, I think, but where this was the case. Yeah, I, re- I really like this, uh, that trend actually. Uh, kind of gives a little bit more, uh, I don't know, uniformity to it. Uh, Lars Mikkelsen also, I think, voiced the audiobooks for the Thrawn Disney trilogies. So it was fun to hear, having just read those books, hear the same guy come out and play him live action. I was like, oh, that's really cool. Clancy Brown was a character in the premiere episode. Um, the the Corgan, you know, uh, voice of Mr. Krabs and such. Um, oh, the governor. Yeah. yeah, the governor. Yeah, he was mm-hmm. the voice. And he's been in a lot of Star Wars stuff. Yeah. Um, but this was the character that was most just him and his face. Um, he's in that he Gen has... show now, too, right? But anyways. Yeah. So so that's another example. Sorry, I'm just <laughs> reciting useless trivia. <laughs> no, you're good. He has a great voice. I think they did a... Like towards the later seasons of Clone Wars and the like majority of Rebels, they sort of like based some of the character designs for the like side characters off of their voice actors, which I don't know if that was a conscious decision to like, oh, maybe we could use these in the future. But man, it really paid off for them (laughs) because during that premiere episode, I saw the governor and i was like shoot how did they find an actor who looks exactly like the animated character and then only later did i realize that they were planning for it the whole time but i was like that's cool 
I suppose. Yeah. Yes, they did. Not that I remembered that character at all. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. I I uh, I wasn't necessarily I, like I have made leaps and bounds in my retention skills. I think my ability to focus when watching content <laughs> uh, <laughs> more of a trained skill in in more recent years than it had been in the past. So, unfortunately, some of my recollection of these series the star wars animated shows are kind of vague so i am i'm certainly overdue for a rewatch mm -hmm. but uh oh well say lovey um a, a contessor as yourself content content yep yep a contessor <laughs> oh. yeah to, to steal from my favorite podcast a connoisseur of context mm. um, <laughs> uh i i listen to a lot of podcasts so uh you know i it uh it consumes my life <laughs> um there's just so many it's it's so funny um it's like the amount if you happen to run into somebody at random who has podcast overlap with you, it's kind of like meeting a unicorn <laughs> it is there there are just so many out there and like I work a job where I can kind of just listen all day. So I always have podcasts going and like <laughs> there's such niche topics and such like long format that like to find someone else who watches or <laughs> not watches, listens to the same thing as you for the amount of time you've been listening never happens, <laughs> but it's a great medium. A healthy relationship to the medium would entail not, catching every single episode of every single show you follow like that's <laughs> i mean that's my levels of unhealth you know podcast obsession <laughs> but <laughs> you you as well there's probably maybe you know there's maybe rarely an, uh, an episode that you miss of the, the many that you you follow but uh <laughs> no it's i i uh I could I'll see myself hopefully learning to, uh, you know, be able to pick and choose and use discretion, you know, in the I, in a future point when I could see my listening time being somewhat throttled. Um, mm -hmm. But, uh, yeah, I almost just want to ask you uh, if some of my favorite shows are on your <laughs> on your roster. Uh, oh, for sure. Uh, so, so have you heard of Blank Check? The the no. Okay, it's my favorite podcast. They they're just very in depth about the movie reviews that they do. So that was just a shot in the dark from me. <laughs> yeah. But um, and then there's a whole kind of expanded umbrella of shows that um sometimes they'll feature guests from from other shows like the doughboys is one they review um fast food restaurants based in la <laughs> that sounds <laughs> that sounds entertaining i've never heard of them but it's a comedy podcast yeah so anyway my weird <laughs> my weird podcast niche is mostly history and like science stuff so i don't know if there'll be a ton of overlap but yeah <laughs> They're fun. They're yeah. fun. Anyways, I listen to a, a follow a Star Wars podcast pretty religiously. Mm. 
uh you know I, i've got a few quite a few patreon subscriptions um but uh star wars rebel force radio is the star wars podcast i, I follow and you know i, I like mm. how they keep things fairly um like accessible to any type of fan really there's a lot of toxic fan subcultures within star wars and oh, for sure they, they really you know try to avoid um you know falling into that you know the you know we reject this star wars but we accept this star wars that type of you know sort of gatekeeper mm -hmm. in a way i mean i guess you could be the sort of gatekeeper that's like well if you reject any kind of star wars then <laughs> then we reject you as a fan <laughs> uh, i get you know it's just like it's in the whole never-ending spiral of like you know well is it okay to be intolerant of someone who was already intolerant you know <laughs> but yeah whatever. yeah i i do feel like i don't know some content or some stories just work and jive better with some people and i think that's fair some people have things that are their favorites and some are not in that spirit though i'm really curious what you're what you felt like ahsoka did really well um in terms of both the other Star Wars shows that have come out and just by itself, you know, what would, what were the strengths and highlights in your opinion? Yeah. So, so yeah, I, I'm very kind of a, a star whore <laughs> uh, <laughs> forgiving of, because I'm used to being able to just kind of extrapolate from what is on screen. Um, but you know, there's, there's plenty of stuff that I like, I was skeptical of the early clone war stuff and, when I had heard via, you know, secondhand channels that um, like Darth Maul had been brought back from the dead, I was like, what? They, they just kind of lost their minds over there. <laughs> it's just what other, <laughs> yeah. what utter pulp trash this has turned into, this franchise. Ugh, too bad. I, I missed 2005, you know, but uh, anyway, like, uh, no I, and then I, I eventually got around to watching the show and it is fun like the, the Doth and Miri stuff of course plays a role in like the Darth Maul arc from that show and and plays a role here in, in Ahsoka and was, I, I, I like the wild magic crap you know it, it's mm -hmm. I'm okay with the weird in Star Wars um, because I, I love like the the force and spirituality uh, mm -hmm. elements of, of the shows Um and even like something like Andor, which, you know, is just unquestionable, uh, but doesn't incorporate as much of the metaphysical stuff that, you know, Star Wars kind of leans into. I, I found that show to be very much transcendent and metaphysical in the way that it dealt with issues of, um, you know, resistance and, you know, finding hope in the darkest of times um like so so there was a, a definite um palpable spiritual undercurrent to that show even though the central characters weren't force sensitive um but here in ahsoka the, the force takes center stage in a different way uh, and and perhaps the writing itself and and the dialogue um was was not nearly as strong as something like andor 
Mm-hmm. But, you know, I, I still enjoyed my time with Ahsoka because I thought the world was really fun. Uh, the idea of exploring other realms of this universe and like space is just so vast and so mysterious. And uh, I'm cool with like these exceptional figures, you know, who are able to tap into something greater, you know, being able to then, you know, use this power that they have to um, explore just some of the most uh, inaccessible facets of this universe, this galaxy far, far away and and, and beyond. <laughs> Although the the one time the phrase galaxy far, far away was quoted, it, it did kind of make me uh, visibly clench. <laughs> <laughs> it was kind of forced in there. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That, that was painful. Uh, but whatever. David Tennant's great. He's he's good. Yeah. So, yeah. What, what about you? Oh, I I one of my favorite. OK, uh, one of my favorite theories about like Star Wars content recently. I didn't make this up. I heard it somewhere, I'm sure. Uh, but the the idea that like Star Wars is at its best when it's like a lens for exploring themes that are like not Star Wars, like and and or fantastic show uh, is a really cool lens for like exploring like this like espionage and like uh, counter revolutionary stuff and like how it's like a crime and like political thriller really but just star wars up and i really felt like ahsoka ended up being kind of just like high fantasy star wars up there was a really interesting a lot of their design choices felt very medieval um and not just european medieval but uh they had a lot of uh japanese and like chinese stuff which was really cool um I thought that was really strong. The just overall thematic choices they made were really cool. Um, I was talking to a friend uh, today, actually, who works in stunts. And he was saying that uh, he he and a lot of his stunt friends were appreciative of how uh, they incorporated different uh, martial arts styles for each of the different uh, uh, characters who did the like hand to hand fights like. Ahsoka had a very like Japanese katana uh, and Tonto style and Balin was straight up doing like European longsword stuff and Morgan Elsbeth was doing I think a a Chinese uh, martial art style. Um, Really cool that they decided to like explore those as options and put them into the Star Wars universe Um, and the like the whole you know the bad guys are in a tower and they have their armies of undead and um, everybody's kind of on this quest. It's like a putting everybody into another universe and like a new planet was such a cool choice. Cause like suddenly everything you know about the star Wars universe kind of goes out the window, but not quite like you're into this planet where everybody's riding around on horses that are also dogs uh and like using swords and spears and stuff it was really it was fun i loved i loved that like new new angle for star wars and i feel like some of the properties that have failed a little bit more like boba fett unfortunately 
have not really gone out of their way to pick a theme and explore. They've just sort of like, we're going to Star Wars on the Star Wars. And that's like our whole, that's our whole idea, you know? Um, So yeah, really appreciative of the thematic choices they made. And then my gosh, all of the actors in this one, I felt like did really great jobs. Mm -hmm. Uh, The whole Hayden Christensen coming back, um, I mean, I grew up with the prequels as like my favorite movies when I was a kid. So having him back for that hot second in Kenobi was fantastic. But the fact that we got like almost a whole episode with him uh, in Ahsoka and he had some really great scenes, him like turning into the Darth Vader version of Anakin and back. And I'll mm-hmm. I'll give it to you. The the. <laughs> The Sky Guy and uh, Snips lines, I was like, ooh, cringe. But like, they still made it work. It was a callback to the Clone Wars. That's okay. I thought because um, um, they were acknowledging and just how silly that was. I yeah. think so. I think so. But just <laughs> such a, a silly line. Um, yeah, those those scenes the whole like uh world between worlds i thought was really well executed i was kind of i was kind of scared going into the show because in clone wars and rebels well sorry no it only comes out in rebels but the world between worlds is such a weird like does it, it does it actually exist like um when the characters go into it it's sort of left up in the air as to like what is it? You know, is it actually, are they actually time traveling? Are they having a vision? Is there an alternate reality? And I was sort of afraid that they were going to answer those questions in this show um, and kind of lose the mystique of it. Cause I mean, like you were saying, the, the, the force being like a very ethereal and like, Oh, who knows what it does kind of thing is really compelling to me. So the fact that they left it so open-ended, I was like, yeah, all right. Did it right. Yeah, yeah. The sort of non-empirical nature of understanding the Force, you know, is, is mm-hmm. something that I like. You know, I I know there are plenty of people who will never get past struggling with you know, keeping things vague and and being um, uncomfortable if things aren't just totally black and white, you know, put forward in, in just the most kind of didactic of fashions. Uh, and, and I mean, that can lend to things like the world between worlds being used as little more than a clumsy plot device to allow for you know, strange retconning and time travel. Uh, and that's clearly not what it's designed for. Um, mm-hmm. it's, you know, thankfully, like some of these fantasy things, th- yeah, the magic system, you know, that's mm-hmm. the thing about magic. It's, you know, it's not supposed to be perfectly quantifiable. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, you, you can to an extent. The, the Jedi are able to control you know certain things supernaturally through the force um but it's it's designed to be a mystery only really accessible when 
you know, you apply, uh, you know, very rigorous techniques, you know, the, the most, um, what does um, Yoda say? You know, the, the most serious mind, the most, uh, well, I can't remember the, the line verbatim, but uh, it's uh, the, the deepest commitment, the most serious mind. You know, that's the character of a Jedi. Mm. Um, mm. Uh, but and, and like you will know when you are calm, at peace, passive, you know, just deep down, you will feel the force. You know, once you've mastered these techniques that allow you to see past the noise and chaos of the, you know, the material world. Um, mm. then you realize that, you know, time, space, these things, like they converge and they meld together and they, they sort of, you know, they don't become quite as discreet as we once thought that they were. Um, and yeah, like the, the world between worlds, um, is kind of a space where you go and it's like a dream and you're able to resolve certain things. Um, that you're struggling with metaphysically, you know, this Anakin apparition who appears before her, you know, is that the real Anakin? Is that her memories of it? It's, you know, uh, frankly, I I would prefer to think some combination of the two, like the, the true essence of Anakin, you know, whether it's floating around in the ether or was imbued in her from their time spent together, master and apprentice, you know, that is mm -hmm. able to come out in this space, this force uh, nether world uh, uh, where they're able to have uh, almost like yeah like a physical interaction or at least it feels mm -hmm. to her um, yeah and of course Anakin doesn't act like totally normal like you know <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> he seems to yeah portray certain aspects of his Darth Vader persona which you would think he wouldn't want to do yeah, mm -hmm. as a redeemed character but either it's to teach ahsoka a lesson or it's her coming to grips with you know what he became and trying to move past that um so i don't know yeah he's he, he he's sort of a trickster <laughs> he he feels more of like an avatar of like a uh like a force of nature than like the character himself you know the fact that he is going back and forth between these in the process of trying to teach her this lesson it's very uh yeah it's very spiritual feeling and uh yeah i loved it the way they they did a good job with that i thought yeah yeah i mean if they ever did use the world between worlds to like oh we should we, we made it we made a blunder here with this you know certain story <laughs> going around so we should see if we can go back and you know <laughs> i should that oh. was a a popular fan theory for what was going to happen in the show is that they were going to retcon the entire sequel trilogy uh by going into the world between worlds we have to undo the thanos snap that yeah. is the entire <laughs> episode seven through nine <laughs> started over <laughs> And unfortunately, people who think like that are sometimes the kinds of people who get jobs in Hollywood. Uh, yeah. 
<laughs> but yeah, that's that's probably not going to happen. I you know, and I I mean I love the end game, you know, the the Infinity Saga whatever, you know, those were great for what they were, but yeah, the high just far-flung comic book nature they're so vibrant they're so colorful they're so cartoonish i mean the the star wars animation sort of some sometimes got to that point where you had a hard time seeing how any of this could exist within a live action depiction of star wars which is okay because uh, animations shouldn't feel confined to only mm -hmm. depicting you know what can be presented in live action um but now translating it to live action for ahsoka there, there were very few points where i felt like it veered into cartoonish territory you know despite having this very high fantasy uh aesthetic uh but it's, yeah. it's like a sparse high fantasy like like a 80s show like like or a you know film like willow or Princess Bride. I mean, there's so much wonder and magic in some of these films and stories, but you know, they're not full of spectacular visual effects or you know, crazy un, un otherworldly colors. Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of cool stunts, sure, but you know, the overall, it it just kind of feels like you're in the real world, which I I love the groundedness. Yeah, yeah, it stayed grounded the whole time uh they they didn't bring in any new crazy ships or uh worlds that we hadn't really seen that were full of uh let's say casinos or <laughs> uh sparkly things it just kind of it stuck to what it was and it didn't veer too far outside of what people had already seen except for the choices it made to stay within uh it's sort of aesthetic tact that it was going for one departure that i really appreciated though was the night sister uh stormtrooper zombies my gosh yeah. that was cool uh i don't know if you'd ever read the book but there was a, a long time popular uh book that had uh the og stormtrooper zombies and i i think if i remember correctly it was like a it's like a virus instead of like magic, but I I did read Death Troopers. Yes, um, yes. There were a couple books that were published explicitly as Star Wars horror novels, and that was like the first of them. I I don't know if there were really any more, but that was the only of those that I I read, and it was good. Yeah, I enjoyed it. It was like a virus. Han Han Solo kind of makes a a seem. Yeah, sort of a un. He has like a cameo almost, <laughs> but he's like yeah. a part of the book. Yeah, yeah. Improbable, like it. It, it just how many places can Han Solo possibly? <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, it's no longer canon technically. So yeah, that yeah. was where where I maybe chafed against that book a little. It's like hasn't Han Solo been through enough? <laughs> If I remember correctly, I feel like I think that book was not canon even for the original Maybe like not. Legends EU, but it was fun. And I I appreciate that they took the concept and ran with it with this one. It made for some interesting variation on the standard like, oh, we got stormtroopers again. 
Yeah. Well, the the zombie stormtrooper thing was also weirdly vague because uh, and, and I, I was watching a whole YouTube video about this, you know, referencing other uh, review media uh, generation tech on on this here review podcast all name dropping all of the competition no uh the but just like you know are are all these stormtroopers fugue like zombies or what why what would have led to them needing to be subdued in sort of a zombie fashion they don't really move like zombies but they're all wrapped mm-hmm. in these cool bandages i mean it just gives them a certain style but is that style over substance just to kind of give them their own thing? Um, <laughs> but no, I, I, I think, it, you know, with the way that they're stranded, you know, Thrawn poetically uses the term exile. And, you know, I don't think that really applies to his situation. Maybe the the Knight sisters that are still on Peridia, uh, you know, are technically exiled from the other Dathomiri, which is, uh, for some reason, but um, yeah, the you know why are Thrawn's cohorts these zombie-like figures? You know, you have the Captain Enoch, um, who's kind of you know he's got that awesome mask, but mm-hmm. I don't know. M- maybe they're just all warped by strange magic uh, to invoke another George Lucas property um, that uh, they they just they're then able to be revived in that one scene after they've been uh, cut down by the Jedi. And, um, and yeah, so it's just, just kind of a weird, they're sort of like half zombies in their normal state, but then at the end when they're revived by the witches then they're like full on zombies, except mm-hmm. there's the, the death troopers, you know, and, and one of those, the troopers introduced in rogue one, and one of its helmets gets lifted and you can see it's like a corpsely zom you know <laughs> yeah zombified body underneath quite so, corpulent yes yeah well there's there's something going on why why uh are, are all the stormtroopers at that stage of decay and why would they yeah be, you know, so who cares? I mean, <laughs> there's some <laughs> things that perhaps should have been um, exposited a bit more than they were with this show. Uh, but at the same time, um, it, in, it's okay to kind of just leave things subtextual. And in true Star Wars fashion, I'm sure we'll get a comic book uh, detailing how Captain Enoch gets the way he is and uh the background point of view of some bridge officer on Thrawn's ship <laughs> telling us all of the expository backstory for everything in in some comic book or novel later on down the line <laughs> yeah well did were there other naval personnel with Thrawn cuz this generation tech guy was noting how Thrawn's most immediate subordinates you know, the, basically, it was just Captain Enoch, the stormtrooper guy, and there weren't any other visible officers. Um, so maybe there was something that happened to the other, um, you know, officer corps personnel 
they were just it, too reluctant to go along with the witches stuff. It was curious. I um yeah, they didn't really show any other officers, which made made me wonder like, oh, is this group of stormtroopers like all that was left on the star destroyer or did they leave? I know that uh Thrawn's like classic second in commands had kind of been like killed off by this point, I believe in Rebels. So he was mm-hmm. sort of flying solo, but yeah, you'd expect to see some more. I'm sure we'll mm-hmm. we'll see more of it in the well w- what's next? The there's a movie, right? The, the yeah, the end, end game of Filoniverse. <laughs> Potentially a movie, unless I don't know, I think there was rumors that they were just going to keep it as a series, but, mm. you know, remains to be seen. I know they, they wanted to make, get a finale, like culmination feeling event, I think, with the uh, Mandoverse, you know, the John Favreau, yeah. Dave Filoni, um, you know, universe set, you know, five plus years post Endor. Um, then there's the, well, there was that council in, mando season three that we see i i think um thrawn's most famous second in command uh captain gilad palan um mm-hmm. he was played by a fairly prominent actor in that um xander berkeley i think was the actor who played that character um and i guess he somehow made it out during the whole pergill uh jump that stranded Thrawn and Ezra mm. and so he's still at large but um yeah. oh, okay so he's he's still alive just not with Thrawn yeah as far as we know yeah. he was anticipating Thrawn's return so I don't know mm. yeah Thrawn's kind of gone full Dathomiri witch uh you know he's a he's a witch doctor I don't know he of course yeah. his, uh, <laughs> reputation as being very open to alien, you know, uh, culture, you know, he's a xenophile type, uh, individual, you know, he, he would be open to the weird stuff with the death of Mary's and, uh, perhaps some of his subordinates weren't that Mm. weren't willing to go along. I do remember from the heir to empire, uh, series that, Thrawn had like kind of a collection of aliens who could like void force powers. They're like Chitari, Ch- Chiguturi. We're called the Isalamiri. Oh, not, I was not close. <laughs> sort of like Salamander. Mm, yeah, yeah. So mm. I'm I'm wondering if the Dathomir witches are going to kind of take that place, or I- who knows. Who knows I, what else he's got up his sleeve? Yeah, I I don't remember the Asalamary from the Rebels per se. I I could swear there have there are image of Thrawn with these creatures though from Rebels the series. I just don't recall the context. Mm. If they were force blocking creatures in, in Rebels, um, it might have just been strange pets that he had in that series. Um, but I know the I've seen the images. Mm. Uh, just haven't gone back. Um, and and then like um, not Salamir. Oh, Nogri. Um, remember them? Uh, his he had a bodyguard in the 
heir to the empire trilogy and that oh, ultimately killed yeah. the strange alien called the nogri oh that nogri uh character appears in rebels kind of a, a free he's, character he's like the bounty hunter guy right uh or wait no. probably goes on sort of a bounty hunting style mission for thrawn i remember there was a awesome scene where somebody's looking at him through electro binoculars and then he's just stares right back through the binoculars oh yeah he's like an assassin okay yeah yeah, 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 assassin, yeah, yeah. exactly yeah no that that was fun um so yeah another example of like a a mysterious species that thrawn you know discovers or, or co-ops um but there's a yeah just a sort of trend now of incorporating a lot of elements from the old expanded universe and it's uh going to sort of culminate in the this current canon's version of i suppose the the thrawn trilogy uh mm -hmm. although it's gonna inevitably look quite a bit different but i have to imagine they'll they'll there'll be some significant involvement from the core you know, Han, Luke, and Leia characters at some point. You know, like, there would have to be. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm actually curious about that from your perspective. Because um, Star Wars has done a little, and, well, Disney in general has done quite a bit of dabbling in, like, keeping, uh, like, de-aging, uh, like, CGing old characters' faces on new actors. And stuff like that. I mean, do you think they would do a recast on Luke and Leia and Han? If I mean, they're headed straight into that territory with these new. I mean, yeah. every show they get closer and closer to the sequel trilogy. So they sort of already have. But I'm I'm curious to your thoughts about what you think that'll, that'll yeah pan out as. You know what? What can we do with the characters that everyone wants to see? Yeah, <laughs> uh, showing them could cause quite a stir if they're not careful about how they do it. Yeah, the, there's not going to be a widespread acceptance of digital facial replacement or um, deep fake usage mm -hmm. in in a modern blockbuster or show um, and you could never like have a central character i don't think be a deep fake character um if they're just cameos then i think people would be cool with it um but yeah like the, the opening to indiana jones and the dial of destiny mm -hmm. uh, could not sustain a whole film or series you know having oh. that kind of technology i mean it's expensive for one thing um, so th they could easily recast. I mean, I, you know, I, I'm kind of biased towards like Millie Bobby Brown. I think she's great and she's expressed interest in portraying Leia. Uh, oh, know, that'd be good. That's good yeah. cast. Yeah. She's like the right age. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Fun. I mean, Alden Ehrenreich, you know, was Han Solo. I don't know. I'd be fine if they brought him back. I know the movie didn't do well, but at least he's familiar with the role. It's a tragedy because that was a. I liked that movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it wasn't bad. I I enjoyed. And I, it. I wanted some more uh, 
Star Wars gangsta um uh lore. Give mm-hmm. me some more Crescent yeah. Suns or whatever. Even like bad Star Wars underworld content is good content. <laughs> it's always compelling somehow. I'm just always like, yeah, okay. All right. Like I, no, I, I, I would totally be in on another season of Book of Boba Fett too, but you know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think I think they could salvage it for sure. I I wouldn't mind a recast. I think mm-hmm. I feel like we've done enough like skirting around the like main characters, you know. They're so central to the old mm-hmm. now Legends EU and like it's it's getting awkward, you know, like <laughs> the Star Wars galaxy isn't that big. Like surely we're going to run into them. They had a good moment in this one of like, "Oh, a uh, princess Leia's in the other room, uh, but she told me to tell you this. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, okay, all right, all right. <laughs> Anthony Daniels, yeah. I mean, he still, whole, he seems unchanged from 1977, basically, in his performance. What a, what a legend. Yeah. <laughs> Can't believe he's still doing the suit. That's amazing. And nowadays, they can do anything with voices. You know, it's yeah. a little unsettling, but... Where, like with um, Mark Hamill, you know, he was a stand in for the deep fake Luke from Mandalorian. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they credited him. I'm sure he did all the lines, but they did a like restoration on the voice to make him sound younger. Um, right. I think that was all just done using technology. Um, if they, if I guess they recast Han and Leia, but then Mark Hamill was willing to come back and do the same kind of thing for a future film alongside the recast actors. And it was just Luke who was getting kind of the deep fake treatment. I get I'd be fine with it as long as Mark Hamill would be fine with it. But mm-hmm. it'd be kind of odd to just have one of the three characters, you know, be this you know, re recreation. <laughs> yeah I, it would feel odd when mark hamill's the last oh uh, well i guess i mean harrison ford's still around but you know carrie fisher is no longer with us and peter mayhew's gone like it almost it, it feels it to me it feels time to pass on the baton you know like all right these characters are living on to the next generation let's give it to some new actors but yeah, um, I could almost take or leave any future depiction of those characters, except for yeah. in like an animated show. I, I like I like what they're doing with you know this Bad Batch series it's in the style mm-hmm. of the Clone Wars. It's fleshing out a lot of the backstory to the dark times and you know the end of the Clone Wars. Uh, I love all that. Uh, do something similar with the era between the original trilogy and the sequel trilogy and just give cameo appearances to Han, Luke or, and Leia, but it's, it isn't live action necessarily. I, I just, I don't know. Those characters are just something that fans should be willing to perhaps, you know, let go, but yeah. uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, that that's an unreasonable demand on my part, I think. Um, 
and I wouldn't mind seeing them from time to time personally. Um, but it, they, they don't have to be in the center of things. Um, if that means like avoiding controversy surrounding casting and things like that. I mean, if they really nail the casting and I don't, I don't think, I just think in modern times though, uh, the, this industry will rebel against trying to do the facial replacement technology um, in anything more than just a minor uh, scenario. Yeah, I I would agree with that, uh, at least for the facial technology. Like, there's already enough. Uh, <laughs> uh, there's, we might as well leave the work to actors instead of computers. Um, mm-hmm. I will I I think I agree with the, like, we could probably leave Han and Leia out of things for the most part. I feel like we are, like, eventually, if... You know, you're fo- if you're going up to the timeline, we're gonna hit the sequel trilogy, and mm-hmm. it'll be here as... before we know it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so like for thirty years post. Yeah, it's gonna go awakened. fast. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but like, yeah, these shows building the scaffolding for that next trilogy, although being a little odd because that trilogy's already done like Luke and his like Jedi school are a pretty big part of it. And I do feel like it, it bears a little more exploration, but Mm -hmm. that's the only, I mean, yeah, Leia can be doing her thing and Han can be off. I feel like we don't need to see the, you know, the big three together all the time, but I feel like the Jedi school is one of those like, things that we could we could get a little more info on and i think that would be a good thing to explore um yeah but yeah who knows i feel like they keep announcing star wars projects and <laughs> and then cutting them i was so hyped for the patty jenkins uh rogue squadron uh movie and the tv show and then nothing i think oh. last got canceled and then uh no star wars acolyte is still going i think that's coming yeah and next up is skeleton crew right the jude law uh yep goonies yeah yeah and these things are kind of well the projects as to whether they get made have so far been like spinning a roulette wheel uh (laughs) but at least I think these series, once they're produced, are pretty safe from ever getting um, Zaslav'd, you know, mm. <laughs> you know, remove, you know, cast into the vault, never to be seen again after <laughs> the lost Bat Batgirl, uh, Batgirl movies. film, yeah, yeah, <laughs> just like the Willow series, even to invoke Lucasfilm, um, and, and a bunch oh, of oh, did that. Did that get canned? I thought that came out already. It came out. It's no longer available anywhere. Oh, interesting. Huh. So that's the thing with these streaming series. Like, they never get released to home media. Yeah. Get pulled from the service. You know, the only way to see them with your eyeballs is potentially pirating. Hmm. Uh, unless they're licensed to some other streamer, you know, you know, 
you would hope that there there will eventually be some way to see some of these series that you know were fully produced that did get a rollout on you know whatever streaming service um carried them but then got pulled so that you know they didn't have either you know didn't have to pay residuals or you claim it as a tax write off um yeah famous examples are like that willow series there's like the yeah. world according to jeff goldblum is one there's, oh. there's a whole laundry list of sh- of shows just didn't um, make it from <laughs> yeah max from disney plus i don't think netflix has necessarily been doing that there was like a grease spinoff show i think got pulled from like paramount or something paramount plus yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, and, and there's just so much stuff. And the reason why it gets pulled is because it's, it, it just doesn't perform well. And so part of the reason why it, <laughs> things go unnoticed is because a lot of it's stuff that almost no one has seen. Right. So uh, the just unfortunate um, fallout from the content glut that came about from just the explosion of streaming and these um, services wanting to um, just pack their catalogs as much as possible. Yeah. Well, we'll see where that goes. There's been a lot of talk out here about like, Oh, the age of like green lighting, everything is over like these streaming services now with their new contracts are going to have to like really tighten up on quality and stop like shotgunning out like just 50 TV shows at one time. Um, So who knows? I think the hope is always that like, yeah, we'll get some higher quality uh, stuff out of it rather than just so many random things, but we'll see. We'll see what, (laughs) we'll see what Hollywood does, I suppose. Yeah, it's going to be chaotic, but there will always be Star Wars stuff getting made. Just what? Oh, for sure. You know, it's a matter of the dartboard. But yeah, I mean, whatever comes, comes. <laughs> uh, the Rise, I... Rise of the Pink Ladies, by the way, that's the Grease series. And I guess oh. viewers can catch the show on Apple's iTunes and Amazon for a fixed price now. two ninety nine per episode. Yeah, but it was pulled from Paramount Plus originally. Uh, sorry, continue. Oh, uh, I was going to say uh, on the thread of like, there will always be Star Wars content. Um, did you did you get a chance to see the like the visions uh, spinoffs? I saw the first episode of the latest batch. I haven't gotten. OK, yeah, I, I have not seen the newest batch either, but I really enjoyed the first season of it. Oh, yeah. Uh, they had some, I mean, they're all decan or uncanon, I suppose, but mm-hmm. just people playing around in the universe of like, oh, let's try different art styles and just tell random stories is quite endearing, I thought. Yeah, yeah, that was yeah, that was exceptional. Um, they're all Japanese studios. Uh this latest iteration was I I think. Uh, I, there are a couple anime uh, anthology episodes, but 
um, they're they're more expanded now. So I heard just less than positive things about this latest mm. of episodes and perhaps a little bit more unfocused uh, or too unfocused, I guess. But oh, well, I'll, I'll I I think I should take the time to sit down and watch them regardless. Mm. And then, oh, yeah, there was the um, Tales of the Jedi. I was also. Yeah. Yeah. It was interesting. Tales of the Jedi, I was actually really hyped about. I didn't think I was because I was like, oh, whatever. Like just some, you know, random. I I thought it was just going to be random extra Clone Wars episodes, but um, they really fleshed out uh, the Count Dooku story. And the Ahsoka, like, uh, Count Dooku and Ahsoka, and, and surprisingly, Yaddle of all uh, Jedi <laughs> got some got some good content boosts. So I was like, "Wow, okay, we're really getting some getting in there with these." Yeah, you know, a character who immediately stands out from just having a on-screen background appearance in one of the films, Yaddle, but Yoda is just this mysterious, such a mysterious character where we don't even know his species, but there's another one of him. <laughs> and of course, and, down. and they never address it. Just, yep, there's a couple of them. Yeah, and Grogu. So many things left vague in Star Wars, and uh, Ahsoka happily continues the tradition <laughs> The name Ashoka is spelled A-S-H-O-K-A. You know, it's altered for Star Wars, but it's a Sanskrit term meaning without sorrow or pure or, you know, associated with hope, basically. Um, huh. That's in a, in a positive, like a hope in a positive connotation or a... Yeah, it's, it's supposed to be a, a positive term, you know. Okay. Um, but a like if shoka means sorrow and a means without or some, oh, something okay like that then mm -hmm. uh, ashoka means without sorrow but you know literally or uh you know you could extrapolate that to mean you know hope or just positive vibes all around uh and then she was originally called ashla in the script but ashla is also a term for the light side of the force mm. early drafts from george lucas now there's ashla and bogan bogan's the dark side um and then bendu is the middle the balance mm. we meet uh, uh kanan talks to a creature named bendu in rebels um yeah. And I I want to say Bogan was the name for, well, in Clone Wars they go to that they go to this planet and uh, there are in another one of these things of did it happen or was it a weird vision? Um, they go to this planet and there is the avatar of the dark side, the light side, and the middle, um, represented by a father, a son, and a daughter and oh yes the statues yeah the statues yeah yeah which made made an appearance at the end of ahsoka behind uh balin as he goes on his last quest i suppose 
Yeah, the the whole Mortis arc. Um, mm-hmm. Oh, that's something that Star Wars fans should at least have a basic understanding of going into this show. Uh, but yeah, it was just that was a pretty big deal when that happened. Uh, it's a shared vision among mm-hmm. Obi Wan and Anakin and Ahsoka. And ah- Ahsoka didn't remember any of it, if I recall correctly. Ahsoka but, also died yeah. during it, uh, which was a. Uh, <laughs> did she die or did she not die? Who knows? Yeah, interesting twist. Uh, none of them remembered it, if I recall correctly, because at the end they sort of like did a, a mind wipe. Because yeah. Anakin has a vision of himself becoming Vader yeah. uh, during that arc, and at the end he doesn't. Yeah, they they take the memory away. So it's quite interesting. There have been some fan theories, of course, that Ahsoka has become the the new avatar of like the light side and that Balin could be on his way to finding the power of like the true avatar of the dark side. I don't know. Compelling, compelling theories, but uh, yeah, all this stuff is steeped in metaphor. Um, mm-hmm. That was, you know, why is Ahsoka not present during the sequel trilogy? Why wasn't she present? You know, yeah, <laughs> the original trilogy. Uh, but no, uh, why wasn't she present during the prequel trilogy? Uh, I don't know. I I kind of like the idea of her just being off on a planet <laughs> so far away. She's just uh, going on a little quest. Adventures will continue, uh, unfortunately, without Ray Stevenson. Uh, but I was very compelled, as you were, by you know those characters' mm-hmm. performances to Shin Hati, the apprentice character. You know that that was kind of tragic. Their split. It was very abrupt. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it could have perhaps been more uh ex- expanded upon to increase like the the impact of it because like when it happens it's like is is he saying what i think he's saying you know, <laughs> yeah. you know or is this some kind of test maybe a, a couple abrupt endings for them they had their like jedi or sith inquisitor kind of looking person individual who was like the with them and just immediately killed during one of the fights and turns into a little Dathomir little fart cloud off into the and yeah, <laughs> yeah not a lot of explanation but uh, w- was compelling for the amount of time they were on screen yeah oh well um, I, I season two of Ahsoka is confirmed so I mean nice. once speculation I heard that was good um credit to the rebel force radio podcast like suggestion of for what you could do if you didn't recast ray stevenson is just to show his remains if uh, you were to maybe have shin hati then take up his quest to find Ooh. whatever he was searching for um yeah kind of like you know indiana jones and raiders you know he's going into the tomb after you know forestall his colleague who had gone there previously and then he stumbles across the decomposing body of forestall <laughs> uh, yeah. does isn't that where he gets the hat too 
that's uh last crusade oh okay okay i guess that's but yeah if you if you don't want to have to recast that character i guess yeah you could just have him cameo as a a dead corpse he'd be the <laughs> chester cobblepot mm. <laughs> the goonies you know um, that that would be that would be an acceptable end i feel like you know we'll get the I, I rest of his cool. story yeah i think that'd be rare yeah, yeah. like he went to this because you see you see like a little light off in the distance remember mm-hmm. that from so maybe he goes to the source of that light, some kind of catacomb. You know, we've already seen yeah. Indiana Jones style catacombs. And so I love that, by the way, that opening bit. It was very like ASMR. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Sad. Um, but yeah, like it, he got he fell victim to some booby trap. I thought that, I, yeah, that'd be like a really compelling idea. And then, yeah. It, Shin Hati then proves has to prove her metal. It's like a trial for her to pick up the slack and maybe because of their proximity to great power Balin could show up as maybe like a voiceover or something he could communicate with her in some way from beyond the grave come back as the much rumored sith force ghost oh who knows (laughs) no i i would like that i i think uh yeah, it, keeping Ray Stevens's performance as Ray Steven and just letting letting that character go and uh, move on to the next one. I feel like that would be a, a nice handoff uh, if we don't get to see the rest of his story. Mm-hmm. That would be an okay way to do it, I think. Yeah, I like that. I like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, one question. You are, are based in L.A. You live in L.A. And... Um... This f- was shot in L.A. There were some locations, photography done in Scotland, some beautiful um, locations, plates. I don't think there was any live photography done there with actors. Um, but um, the the main brunt of production occurred at a place called MBS Media Campus in Manhattan Beach. Have you ever been there out of curiosity? I have not. However, I know I have a friend who worked as uh, who worked in the art department on uh, Ahsoka. Yeah. At the Manhattan Beach campus. Yeah. Looks like a beautiful studio. Um, Yeah, I think they have actually a pretty decent amount of shooting space on that lot. And I've heard they have quite the sizable warehouse of old like star wars props and costumes that they just like <laughs> pull from for <laughs> set deck and whatnot sounds like a blast i want to go so bad yeah. i mean it's like the ground zero now for new star wars <laughs> kind of epic yeah mm. and it's where the original volume got built right yeah yeah it's it's a hub for stagecraft usage um and you know there's probably a few places now where they've got pretty big volume set up but uh, that's that's the main one, as far as I know. Mm-hmm. Uh, Manhattan Beach, it's a, a pretty area. Um, yeah, the uh, you know, I'm sure you'll get to visit eventually, but you'll have to let me know when you do and uh, get the the sc- scoop on all the happens. Uh, yeah, I've I have a friend who was a stormtrooper in Mandalorian. Oh, nice! That's cool. Yeah. 
Um, all right. Anything else, Elliot? I mean, yeah, we've been talking long enough. Uh, there's plenty more, I'm sure, to, you know, we didn't really get into, you know, uh, what's her name? Uh, Sabine. That's Sabine. Tia Circa, yeah. actress from the, I, I think I'm thinking of her, the voice from Rebels, because I, I did meet her on the set of The Good Place uh, once upon oh. Um, but she did not reprise the role for for this show. But mm. fantastically portrayed by Natasha Liu Verdizzo. Um mm-hmm. and perhaps uh, many many have found this to be a more compelling depiction of the character. Uh, nothing to do with performance, but just the the way she's written here. You know, compared to the the Rebel series, she was kind of a Mary Sue in the Rebels series. <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. I don't know. Any, yeah. any thoughts? Man, I don't know. I just I, I do feel like uh, if you gave me long enough, I could talk at length for so many different aspects of the show. <laughs> uh, the the Clone Wars stuff, the I mean, Ezra being like left alone on this planet for so long. There's just like there's a lot to to unpack in this show. I think I'll be giving it a second watch. Yeah. Um I haven't I haven't done that with most of the Star Wars shows but I do, I do feel like this one merits it because there's some stuff I I do feel like I missed some things. So um nah, this has been great. Uh yeah, thanks for thanks for talking. <laughs> thank you, Elliot. Yeah, thank you so much. Um yeah, just uh, a, f- a fun time and some people were divided on it but like you know this podcast i mentioned rebel force radio like they did eight plus you know two to three hour after shows per you know one per episode so it's like <laughs> no shortage of things to discuss and break down oh for sure but uh yeah it's, people sometimes have over uh inflated opinion or, or just uh, over exaggerated opinions upon seeing star wars content and jump to conclusions on how they feel about it and star wars is dead to me or you know (laughs) (laughs) all this is okay i mean it seems like very rarely anyone's like you know oh this is the best thing since sliced bread except for maybe andor which Mm -hmm. i was kind of one of those and and that was uh, a series that was able to to rope back i think some fairly disenchanted fans um kind of miraculously but i guess all just because it was able to capture that ethos of of the original trilogy so well mm-hmm. um, but yeah this this was very different but still enjoyable for me and uh i'm, I'm looking forward to more it'd be nice to have sharper writing you know snappier dialogue a bit more intrigue and and sort of layered uh, screenwriting um akin to andor for something like this um, rather than just kind of broad strokes um mythological um you know what's his name the the hero with of a thousand faces type um archetypal yeah joseph campbell joseph campbell yeah now, this is very more like broad Joseph Campbell's style storytelling. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I don't know. Can't I? I'm not going to complain anymore. I'm just you know, <laughs> on for the ride. I, yeah, I, I, 
as with every show, I'm like, can't wait to see what they improve on. You know, like, well, I I always hope for the next season to be better than the last. But by golly, I felt like this was a high bar to start a new show on. Uh, And I had quite a blast with it. So excited to see where it goes for sure. For sure. For sure. Very good. All right. Well, cool. Um, We'll leave it at that. Um, And yeah, if you didn't enjoy it uh, as much and you're listening to us, um, hopefully we've allowed you to come around a little bit. Uh, Although, yes, I mean, it it certainly did lull for me in places too. You know, Samara, you know, my sister, you know, wife wasn't necessarily as, as thrilled. But yeah, I think you just have to kind of be able to vibe with the force a bit when it comes to this. Let it be your guide. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, we will bid everyone listening on a Sokan farewell. <laughs> uh, that's what Ken I think. Burns. Of right here, the yeah, the, the Ken Burns Civil War documentary. All right. Thanks so much, Elliot. Uh, any social media to plug? Uh, yeah, you can find me on every social media and or Discord type deal known to mankind as at Elamundo. That's where I live. Um, Elliot Mitchell, thank you so much. I've been Philip Elke. You can find me at Philip Elke at various places uh, at Thodcast, various places at Thodcast.com. And uh, yeah, thanks so much for listening. May the force be with you. Have a magical day. Have a wonderful week. Warm hugs. <laughs> <laughs>